0: Uh, Tyler is founder of Total Buy-In. He is passionate about helping others confidently take the stage. As a lifelong actor and showman he knows how to entertain, has delivered hundreds of talks on everything from employee engagement to personal growth and achievement. His ultimate goal is to coach people to step into their speaking power so they can have so they can create a positive global impact by reaching the hearts and minds of millions with their stories. He is the author of The Power to Speak Naked and has been featured in Transformation Weekend, Drop the Mic, Thousand Spe- Speakers Academy. He's also in movies such as "Freddie vs. Jason, Carrie, and Door to Door. With that said, Tyler, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you for having me on, Rich. It's a joy and a pleasure.
0: Yeah, well you know you and I talked a little bit before this is gonna be fun uh, that's what we' you know that's what you like to do entertain and you have a great background but before we get too far into this people like to hear your story you know I uh, love to hear how you got into the business was it easy was it hard was it voluntary involuntary were you forced into it uh, but nonetheless it's your story so tell us how, how it all came to be
1: well life definitely conspires for us all and it was no different for me I um Grew up in theater, as you had alluded to, I I had a lot of film and television background, but I started at six years old in the theater, acting and performing. And so, stage has always been a place that has been home and comfortable for me. And when I was in my uh, early 20s, I would have been performing at that point for 20 years, and I'd had a very good career. But, like most people who have had a career for 20 years, I decided to retire from acting and go back to school and get an engineering discipline so i i went to st polytechnic and got a geomatics engineering technician diploma which was a fancy way of saying that i made maps i specialized in uh in aerial photography and photogrammetry which is something that i came by quite honestly my uncle was a photogrammetrist my other uncle was a cartographer and a photogrammetrist my grandfather at one point was a surveyor so Studying and making, studying the earth and making maps was something that was, uh, you know, a generational lifeblood thing. And so I had set out. My uncle had owned a mapping firm, and I wanted to start my own. And uh, I worked with a, a wonderful mentor and and friend and business partner, and we started our own mapping firm after I graduated university. And unfortunately, that venture failed miserably. Uh, for a couple of different reasons, the the biggest one being the death of my business partner. She passed away very suddenly one weekend, and uh, I basically lost everything overnight. We didn't have the right director's insurance in place. Uh, I wasn't able to uh, take on or assume any of the assets that we had. It, I, everything was, was gone. Uh, but when you're in that type of industry primary client is the government and oil and gas. Those are the two main consumers of geographic information. And when you work for those type of entities, they insist that you have a health and safety management system in place. And so I uh, drew the short straw between me and my business partner and had to get all this safety training to put together a safety program so that we could uh, work for these various companies and, and entities. And In doing that, I'd I'd gotten all of the safety training. So when my business collapsed, a good friend of mine who runs his own uh, electrical firm reached out to me and said, listen, I have this massive project that's coming up and I need to have a uh, safety manager full time on site. And they have to have this national construction safety officer designation. And with all the safety training that you had to take to set up your company, you're actually two or three courses away from having this designation. If I pay for you to upgrade the, your set, and the, the classes are like two days long uh, each, he goes, uh, would you come and work for me as a safety manager? I said, absolutely. Why not? Cause I was lost at that point. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I, all everything that i had put into over the last 3 to 4 years had disappeared overnight like i you know i'd lost a friend a mentor revenue stream plus every ounce of savings that i'd made over the course of 20 years of acting that i didn't spend on school got sunk into this business so i, I definitely needed the uh, the lifeline and then he threw it to me and what i found was what i knew about safety I actually learned, you know, performing in film and television and specifically a lot of the stunt work that I did uh, really informed who I was as a safety professional. And then all of the training that I had as a performer and stage performer helped me be very articulate and give better safety presentations and training uh, sessions that weren't an invitation to a lobotomy, which most safety (laughs) training tends to be. And so I had a lot of people who would come to me and be like, how do you do that? Like, how did, how did you make this toolbox talk interesting or entertaining? And I was like, oh, well, it's easy. And I'd give them some tips and tricks. And the next thing I knew, I started training people how to deliver better presentations just from a, a safety perspective. And I was giving a toolbox talk one morning at, at this project. And it was a, a huge project, like multi, multi-million dollar, like, a half a billion dollar build uh, up in the oil sands of northern Alberta and so there were a lot of stakeholders involved a lot of very big wigs you know that would come through and, and visit the site on occasion and this one gentleman executive and CEO of a very very large firm um, construction firm here in Canada uh, happened to be on site and heard my toolbox talk and he goes that that was Fascinating. Would you mind giving that as a keynote presentation at one of my, uh, at our safety stand down, our annual safety stand down? And I said, absolutely. And at the time, I didn't even know what a keynote was. Like I had to research and look up keynote presentations. Now you are I was one. Like, yeah. And I was like, well, there you go. Yeah. For uh, 45 minutes, I could talk for 45 minutes. That, that shouldn't be a problem. And so I went and I did this keynote presentation. And one of the other executives from the company uh, came up to me afterwards and, and said to me, you know, that, that was phenomenal. She said, I, I'm, I'm in awe of that. She says, I want, I want nothing more than to be able to, to speak, but I'm, I'm not comfortable doing it. And it's part of my role. And, you know, I've been this VP for forever. And I know that I could It's kind of that glass ceiling that I've hit because I can't go to that next level until I master public speaking. Would you be willing to coach me? And I'd never even thought of it or even considered it at the time. So I went, sure, absolutely. And so I started coaching uh, this executive on how to present a little bit better and it kind of was this side hustle on a little bit here you know a little word of mouth anybody who wanted to get better on stage they could talk to Tyler in the meantime the contract that I had with my friend because it was only ever going to be for a year while they did this large build um kind of came to an end and I was at a crossroads again what do I do do I do I continue down the nine to five route or do I double up and go back to self-employment. And, and I decided I'd rather control my own fate than uh, have somebody else control my fate. And so I started total buy-in. And it, initially it was, it was purely safety consulting. That was, that was the main goal. We would uh, develop and audit safety programs and provide safety training to support that. And what I found was my most popular course uh, from the safety training, was what we originally called basic instructional technique. And it was two days of public speaking, but we didn't let you know it was public speaking <laughs> by calling it basic instructional technique until you got into the door and I could lock it behind you and be like, ha ha ha, now you're here, now we're all going to public speak because so many people think nobody that they sign up. Of- yeah, nobody would sign up because everybody thinks they're afraid of public speaking. And when the, one of the great things about the course was uh, they didn't realize that they were going to be public speaking until about halfway through the first day. At which point they'd already been public speaking for half a day, and I was able to mind ninja them into the sea. You already did it. You've you've done two speeches already in public in front of people. So this notion that you're afraid of public speaking that's not true anymore because you're able to do it. And and we really helped uh, these people progress. But if that became the kernel of my book, the power to speak naked, and that that really kind of pushed. The, the second entity that grew out of uh, total buy-in to be the drop the mic speaker training series and, and then the power to speak naked programs and, and book to go with it. So the, the overall story is, is very circuitous, you know, six-year-old actor Tyler would have never known that I would be a business owner and consultant and trainer uh, 35, 40 years into the future
0: go figure, you got the creative side, the acting, and you also have the scientific side, the engineering, and the, you, you were able to put them together and actually probably a field that needs it more than any, right? The engineering yeah. side is more conservative and have much more difficulty uh, reaching that other side of the brain. Um, great story. Great story. Who to guess, right? I love I love the fact that, you know, you started out with one path and without even knowing it, you ended up, ended up on another and became successful and now you're an entrepreneur I love those stories. Looking back, Tyler, now that you've been in business for a while, and now you have a little bit more say, so, but if you knowing what you know today, are are there a few things you would have done differently, looking back?
1: Yeah, one, I would definitely have looked into insurance better. And I think it's it's weird because you never right, and they say it all the time. You don't know what you you never think you're going to need insurance until you need it, so you should get it. But knowing the right questions to ask about insurance, I think is just as important. And I did not, I mean, we had insurance, we were insured. You know, if if a truck broke down, it would get fixed. If our equipment got stolen, it would be replaced. But I didn't ever think about what happens if I or my business partner s- ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the next lesson that I would learn is, um, even if you're in a partnership, Always be cognizant of the fact that that could dissolve in a moment for any reason. There's a myriad of reasons, and they don't have to necessarily be, um, you know, uh, adversarial, right? Like you don't necessarily need to be, you know, mad at your business partner. I'm leaving, right? But there, there are many, many reasons why a partnership could dissolve. So you always want to make sure that um, if everything were to change not necessarily collapse, but if everything were to change tomorrow, that you would still, that you have lifelines available to you. I think that was the big one. And I learned that lesson again, very recently with uh, uh, I had put a lot of my eggs into a single promoter and that promoter passed away. And mm. so what was going to be, you know, six events and um, quarter million dollars in revenue this year uh, evaporated overnight. And so that those are some of the big lessons that I always, uh, I, if I could go back and do things again, I would make sure that I always have, um, a, a secondary parachute.
0: Yeah. Very good. The main very one good. doesn't open, but you also done some things, right? So, uh, can you think of one or two things that you did right? That was the catalyst for your success today?
1: Uh, Well, I think one of the things that I've always done right throughout my uh, life, and I think it it comes from the theater training, is listen. Listen to other people, but then also listen to myself and my own internal reaction to it. Because I think that's been an excellent guidepost for me to know when I'm doing things right and when I need to course correct. Because again, if I if I'd have fought the flow, or if I'd have uh, had those stories in my head, where no, no, this isn't what the business is, Like, because I, I again, when I started Total Buy-In, it was safety consulting, and now I'm I still the Total Buy-In itself still does safety consulting. They we still audit, we still do program development, we still deliver safety training. I do very little of it. I have a team that does it and does it well, and I poke my head into the office. <laughs> about five minutes every quarter. I'm like, how are we doing? And they're like, we're doing good. Now go away. And I go, okay. And, and that's, that's fine. And I get to do these other passions of mine. Um, And I, I wouldn't, if I gotten very tunnel visioned with it and didn't pay attention and listen to, you know, what, what were the demands of my clients? Like where was the revenue coming from? Mm-hmm. Uh, and because it's it's very easy because I, I could look at it and go, no, 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 the thing that pays the bills right now are the audits. So we're going to do audits. And that would have been true, but I would have missed the calling of the of all of the people who kept coming up and saying, "How do you do that? Can you show me how to do that? and and asking very quietly on the sidelines because it wasn't a thing that I was promoting that I did. And so i I would say listening, to myself and listening to the feedback of the clients and listening to the universe in general when it's, because it doesn't always yell. It's often, often a whisper. And so if you're too busy talking, you don't hear it.
0: You know, it's interesting. A lot of people say, if you have, when you're coaching people who want to become an entrepreneur, they say, go test the market to see if you have the customer, Uh, because you may think you do, but you really may not. On the other hand, you're just the other side. Customers are coming to you. And if you didn't stop long enough to listen to them, you would have missed maybe the opportunity of a lifetime.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's actually the, some of the advice that I give in the book. It's advice that I give in the trainings because a lot of time people are coming to me wanting to learn to public speak because they have an entrepreneurial um, drive. And mm-hmm. they know that one of the better ways to find clients and grow and scale is to speak. Whether that's on a stage or on a podcast or in front of investors or potential clients or even just you know once you've got your company up and going, making sure that you're motivating your staff or or the people who work for you or with you, um, and that you're able to effectively communicate your vision, all of these things what they have in common is public speaking and effective communication, and that's what I specialize in. So I have a lot of people who are coming to me, and at the beginning, a lot of them will ask that question: Well, how do I even figure out who I I should be working for what I'm offering whatever and the advice that I give them is the advice that I followed myself pay attention to what people are asking you and what is that common thread like what is that bit of advice that you are always giving because probably that's the thing that you can monetize if people are coming to you for this specific skill set over and over and over again that's your opportunity. That's your window. And if, and people see value in you, or they wouldn't ask you for that advice. And so now you need to figure out how to put that together in a way that there is a fair value exchange for you both, that this advice is helping them. And in turn, they're helping you, whether that's through finances or whatever.
0: Yeah. And you're addressing people's number one fear, public speaking. I want to uh, take a commercial break for you. And for our audience, Uh, total buy-in has multiple legs to it. uh, But take this time to uh, tell us about your company, who your customers are. You mentioned you have an event coming up. Go ahead and take a few minutes here and uh, let everybody know what you do in detail.
1: Well, if anybody wants to meet me in person and find out what I do, I'll be uh, featured at the LA Book Festival on the weekend of April 21st and 22nd, I believe, or it's the 22nd, 23rd. I I know that I fly into LA on the 20th and come out the 24th. So it must be the 22nd and 23rd. So anybody who happens to be in the Los Angeles area and enjoys reading, uh, come on down to the book festival and find my booth. And I'll be there signing uh, books and and presenting on public speaking. And uh, for anybody who is struggling with public speaking, or if you know that it's a thing that, you could improve, particularly because it's been identified as one of the main soft skills, if not the top soft skill of leadership. Uh, That is what I do. Total Buy-In is here to help you receive Total Buy-In in in your messaging. And uh, so we specialize in helping you discover your story, tell it more powerfully, and find the audience that needs to hear it. And if that's something that interests you, you can stop by the website at any time, either Sean Tyler or total buy-in.com. And I'm happy to, to find the way to help you find your voice.
0: Curious. Can you, I'm assuming you can, can you, you can do this virtually.
1: Absolutely. Um, and And it's funny because I had a very large mental block on virtual training when it came to speaker training. Because I'm somebody who believes in stage presence, and I believe in you know uh, uh, trial by fire and full immersion, and I want people to be in front of people. Like if you want to master this skill, you need to speak in front of people. And so I was very hesitant uh, to do virtual training. You know, 2018, 2019, and then obviously I was forced into it. And we've uh, taken the last couple of years to really hone in and. Uh, Find the ways to make it work. And I'm very proud to say that my team did a really, really good job of finding those ways to make sure that we can still serve our audience no matter where they are. And if they can't come to an in-person event or work with me one-on-one live, uh, we definitely have the ability to find those solutions virtually. and, And we have a really good couple of programs set up to help people that way.
0: It's yeah, so interesting today, as, as we'll talk about here in this next segment, about the future and how you navigated it. But, you know, throw Zoom into the mix and people are more public speaking than they've ever done before without even realizing it. And being on as many Zoom meetings as I am, a lot of people could use a lot of training. Uh, but, <laughs> but So uh, and again, being a person and be able to communicate, you know, I definitely could be a learner of what you have to offer. Um, but let's, uh, in fact, let me ask you a question. Is this a lost start Or is this a, in fact, I'm going to roll this question into my next set of questions. We had a tough time in 2022, the economy hit all segments of, you know, craziness, interest rates, labor, wars, political unrest, etc. Carrying some of that into 2023. Uh, things are changing. We're adapting. We have new communications and things like Zoom. We have the AI now is becoming on the front and center. Is what? So I'd like to know a couple of things. Uh, one is, how did you navigate your company? You have to obviously adapt and adjust. Do you see it going forward as a time to invest, to grow, scale back, retreat? Um, how do you take care of yourself you know, to make sure you are focused every when you wake up every Monday to go to work and lead your team. And in the midst of all that, I just, I'm going to throw this over overarching question: Is public speaking on the increase, need, or is it a lost art?
1: Um, it's actually both. It's unfortunately a lost art because of the increase in demand for it. The as you had pointed out, there's so many there's. More and more need for it as we are moving into this virtual world where we are on zoom meetings and and there are you know multiple people that are on that call and viewing you and I think the the misunderstanding is people didn't think that they were public speaking, and yet they were we've been public speaking for millennia uh, if you Any time you've gone to a restaurant, you were speaking in public, <laughs> the public mm-hmm. have been looking at you, but you were speaking in public and so this notion that we're terrified of public speaking, I think, has fortunately been shattered a little bit with Zoom meetings because it's forced people to be saying things well and they couldn't avoid the gaze. But I think what's been interesting about technology is that a lot of people could like either turn off their camera or they could, change, they could uh, change the view of how they were seeing people. So even if there were 30 people on the call, they only had, they could just do speaker view. And so now they're just speaking to one person, which interestingly enough, prior to Zoom and electronic communications was the thing that I was teaching to people is you just talk to one person. It doesn't matter that there's 300 people in the crowd. You find out one or two or three people who are friendly faces to you and you just speak to them. And Interestingly enough, the virtual technology allowed people to do that on their own and discover that, hey, if I just have this conversation with this one person, everybody else is listening, but I forget about them. But I do think that effective public speaking and effective communication is becoming a lost art form because we are now so prevalent with our public speaking, because it is everywhere, that people are, you know, I, I, it's funny, the number of, uh podcasts I've seen or uh, training things or just memes about, you know, I'm going to show up in my pajama pants Mm -hmm. and, and this uh, ease and comfortable casual nature that's been approached to these communications Mm -hmm. that I think the professionalism has been lost. The, uh, the art of public speaking and telling a story and effectively communicating using the power of story to illustrate points. All of these things I think have gotten lost with technology and, and people's want to here, just let me share my screen. And now I'm going to use this PowerPoint to illustrate this thing that is too text heavy and is we're losing our audience. And I think that is translating into business. That's translating into everyday life. And so I think there is a a a significantly higher need for public speaking, and I feel that it is becoming a lost art that mm-hmm. um people are forgetting how to do it well or may and maybe it's not, maybe it's just that we have so so much the data has increased, so you know the sample size was small before, so it was real easy to see the good public speakers and the other ones didn't have the chance to make it, where now, because everybody has a platform, it's more prevalent how many people weren't effective in their communication.
0: So from your company' standpoint, what do you do to navigate what are you doing to navigate the future? Are you adding new revenue streams, you're adjusting, you scaling back?
1: I'm being very surgical and strategic with what I'm doing because I I've always been a cash business. I don't like um deficit spending and so I am very careful with how we spend our revenue and our surpluses and what we're doing with them. One of the things that I've had to change is my dependence on live presentations because that was the business model for probably half a decade was I would go on stage and I would speak to hundreds, if not thousands of people. And I would explain how easy it is to speak to hundreds of thousands of people and usually do a live demo, get somebody up on stage who can profess to be terrified of public speaking. And by the end of the 45 minutes, they were on stage speaking with me and obviously comfortable enough to do it. And uh, you know, and showing other people just how easy it was and and selling those services, and at the same time, um, helping and supporting the safety side of the business, uh, making sure that we were running effective training and that people knew where it was. What was interesting was when um, everything had to go virtual, part of the protocols for safety consulting required uh, in-person interviews and observations of work sites, and those, couldn't be done the traditional way, and I was able to utilize technology and be like, "Well, do you have a smartphone? Can you tour us around that way? We can do these virtual meetings and do the interviews that way. I can, you can use things like Dropbox or Google Drive or OneDrive and share your documentation with me. So let's let's utilize some of these uh, virtual access uh, options that are available to us. So the safety side was able to. Pivot and essentially maintain a status quo. Um, A lot of businesses scaled back on their investment in safety. And so I had to double up my efforts to remind my clients why that investment pays off. And that scaling back on safety is actually going to be more costly to them than cost effective for them. And uh, thankfully, I only work with really smart people. And so they all got it and that managed to sustain itself. But with the safety training now, I've, you know, I used to run my own events and I would have no problem putting five, six figures into putting on an event because there was always going to be a return. But now I'm starting to see where it could be more cost efficient to run a lot of these things virtually. I still believe in the live event and I still think that for the people who want to learn this at an elite level, the live experience can't be replaced. So I can do 90% of my work virtually, but there's still that 10% for the high ticket clients, the clients that are paying me five and six figures to really master this so that they can get on stage and they themselves can make seven or eight figures from stage, I need a live audience for that. So uh, being very strategic with when and how we put on those events has become the focus and making sure that we are making that experience the most immersive and worth every penny, if not more. You know, there's so many events that go on where you can get your money's Mm -hmm. worth My goal with all of my events is that you get your monies back and then some. And that has always been my philosophy. That's always been my goal. But particularly now, because people are very budget conscious, including myself, if I'm not willing to spend money on this, I don't know why somebody else would be willing to spend money on this. So I have to make sure that I would not only spend money on my own event, but I would invite friends. And as long as I can put on an event like that, that is where my focus is going. So we are scaling back on doing multiple events a year, but doubling down and growing on making a single event be the best that it can possibly be.
0: Yeah. I've heard a lot of people taking the strategy, do less, but do it better. Yeah. And uh, Great. Okay. But you have to get yourself up on Monday morning. So what do you do to motivate yourself? Uh, do you use uh, your avid reader? Do you use mentors, coaches? What do you do to keep yourself on on target?
1: All of the above. Um, I have a couple of coaches um, for various parts of, of me. You know, I have a, a personal Coach, who just you know how checking in with Tyler. I have a business mentor. I actually have a few business mentors who I reach out to regularly. Um, I actually have finished a call with um, uh, my very very good mentor Vicky on uh, on Saturday. You know, we just did a, a monthly checkup and and pulse uh, on state of the union for all of the companies and the businesses, and you know, where are we scaling back? Where are we focusing our energies? Um, but for just a Monday morning get up, it, Monday morning getup is usually directed by my daughter. <laughs> Her school uh, dictates my work schedule. And, uh, I, and it's actually true. I schedule most of my work and most of my activities around my family. So when is my daughter going to and coming back from school? When is my wife working? When is my wife home? When they are away, that is the time for me to work. And, uh, you know, there's so many entrepreneurs who are working 10, 12, 14, 16 hour days. Um, I try the absolute best that I can to be very efficient with my time scheduling. And uh, particularly with my uh, offloading of tasks, uh, because I don't have the luxury i'm sure i could have the luxury of having 12 or 14 hours to invest into my business each day but i want to invest that time into my family because i think that's where the real roi comes from so for me i have to make sure that in the 6 to 8 hours that i have in the day because my daughter gets dropped off at the bus at a quarter to 8 and i have to pick her up at 4:30 which means that i got to be leaving here no later than 4:15 so i have about 8 hours And I don't eat very often, so I can often skip lunch. But then I have a very wonderful meal in the evening um, that I have to get things done. And if I need to, I will get up early in the morning. Like I'll I'll get up and I'll record a podcast at five or six in the morning, uh, sometimes at three if I'm doing one over in Australia. And But I'm very efficient with my time. So for me to get up in the morning, it's very easy because if I don't get up, my daughter doesn't make it to the bus. <laughs> it's just, it's that, it's yeah. just that simple. And I've never been a coffee person. Um, you know, I've, I've never, I've actually, I've got a pretty high caffeine intolerance. If I was to have a, a, a cola or something that has caffeine in it, even a tea, uh, at any point in the day, I will be up until three or four in the morning. So, um, I'm just somebody who, I, you know, uh, just does it's, it's real easy. Cause I love what I do. I love what I do. So getting up and, and having conversations with, with people like you, Rich, or, uh, with my clients or, or just, you know, stepping in and helping with the team or putting together the programs or, or putting together the content that I need for that week. Um, it's, 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 I don't need to motivate myself to do it. I'm excited to do the work every day. It it is self-motivating. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: But you've been good to hear you're intentional though about your hours in a day. We all get the same 24 hours so you have to be intentional about it and you put family first, business second and becoming efficient with your time. Uh great to hear. All right, before we before we uh, close out this podcast, I I do need to ask. You were in the, you're in the acting world. You were in some movies, maybe you, meant, you mentioned doing some stunt work. Is that side of your life uh, just still in the, in the closet somewhere Are you still are you still fulfilling that side of your your brain, I would say.
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. The, um, the funny thing about being a performer is it's like the mob you try to leave and it just brings (laughs) it right back in. I'm, I'm a born performer. You know, if you ask my mom, I was tap dancing in the womb. I, I was that kid at three years old who anytime there was a family event, I I was trying to, you know, look at me, look at me, let's do a magic trick. I'll show you this and putting on little plays, puppet stuff. And I, I it's just who I am. And although I did, retire at 25 um i've definitely gotten back into it it helped too that when my daughter was born she was super super cute objectively this is not a parent being like oh look how cute my baby is and she kind of looks like a weird gray alien uh no my my child is actually gorgeous because she looks like her mom and so i uh, being in the industry knew the value <laughs> of a good looking baby. And the uh, first thing I did was phone my old agent and say, Hey, you know, you want to represent my my daughter. And she said yes. And and so when she got um into film I think she did her first commercial at eleven months old. And when she was two, I got to play her dad in a promotional video, which was super fun. Right. Yeah, like nice. fictionally and in reality be her father. And so I I did get back into it. Um I um you know, I, I've done a Hallmark movie in the last year. I did a Hallmark movie with Shannon Elizabeth. Uh, I got to film um, a well-known TV series, which due to my NDA, I can't tell you what it is, but I can say that I had to uh, put on a very thick Minnesota accent. Um, (laughs) And so that was a really, you know, uh, I I do it. It it brings joy to me and it's a nice little um, hobby to have. And I have the time luxury being self-employed, being an entrepreneur, running my own business that, and, and the business self-sustains too. Like I'm, I'm not working in my business. I'm working on my business at this point. So I can take a day or two or a week and go film uh, a show. And that, uh, that's fun. And I'm producing a musical right now. So I, I, in, a very good friends with an amazing playwright and composer, Marin Ord Burnham. And uh, she's a Juno-nominated uh, singer-songwriter, has written a few really good musicals, and she wrote this one called The Gardener. And I'm the executive producer on it because I can be. Again, I, I have that time, freedom, and that luxury, and it fulfills that creative side of me. And it also allows me to do the business side. So I can, I can marry the two together as an executive producer and find the money to put on the show and mount it in the way that uh, the audience can see it in the way that it it needs to be seen and heard. And uh, so that's really exciting for me.
0: Well, that's fun. That's fun. Sure. Sounds like it is. I can tell the passion comes out of you when you speak about that as well. Tyler, it's been fun as we expect it to be. Uh, I love, I love all the approaches that you're bringing to the business. Uh, And and I really think for our listeners, you know, sometimes you you think you're on the creative side and you would never jump over to the, the Scientific side, uh, I would say this look at all op- opportunities that come your way and be willing to explore them. Tyler, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Should have anybody would like to utilize your services?
1: Oh well, the best thing that they can do is hop over to my website, uh, SeanTylerFoley.com, as we'd mentioned before. But before they do, Rich, I would I would ask a favor of your audience. If they're enjoying your content on Get It Done, they're already on your platform. So before they hop over to mine. Uh, maybe acknowledge what you're providing for them because they're here right now listening. And that means that you are providing value to them that they are getting out of it. And if they have not yet done so, I would encourage your audience to hit pause right now and give Rich a five star review. And, and in the comments, cause that's not just there for decoration, uh, say why, like, what is it about get it done that, uh, you are enjoying what, what was maybe one of your favorite episodes? What was one of your favorite guests? What was one of your favorite takeaways? What's something that Rich has brought to the table that has provided value for you, that has you coming back again and again to listen to these episodes. And if they're willing to do that uh, for you, Rich, then it would be my pleasure if they come to my website, Sean dot which they'll probably find in the show notes when they hit pause to give you the five-star review. Uh, they will see right at the top above the fold is an invitation to join my private Facebook group, endless stages where I go live every Tuesday at noon Pacific three Eastern to give a live training for 20 minutes on whatever happens to be the hot topic in the group uh, that week. Um, and on top of it, we'll give you a free PDF download of my number one best-selling book, the power to speak naked so that you don't have to spend the 1795 in bookstores. You can get it for free right off of the website and grab that PDF. And on top of that, we'll give you access to my Drop the Mic uh, speaker series. Um, It's a quick seven training videos. They're each less than five minutes. So over the course of a week and just slightly over a half an hour of your time, you can get very quick, very actionable tips and tricks to be a better, more confident public speaker. And it'll give you an introduction into what working with me is like and what my training style is. And then. No harm, no foul. If you don't like it, it didn't cost you anything but a, a click and a little bit of uh, time in the morning while you sip your coffee or drink your tea or do whatever you do in your morning routine. Uh, you invest five minutes with me over the course of the week, and I'm going to make you a better public speaker. So those are my gifts to your audience, Rich, but only if they give you a five-star review. No five-star review, no <laughs> gifts for you.
0: Well, I just need to have you on every one of these shows. let some parts for my promo here. But uh, thanks for doing that. And uh, and these uh, all the comments will be put in the show notes, which will be airing in next two to three weeks. Tyler, thank you for taking time out of your busy day and allocating it to share your wisdom with our listeners. I never want to take that for granted. I think it's very generous of what you're doing. And with that said, I wish you, the, wish you have a great day.
1: Thank you for having me on, Rich. You bet.
0: Rich Lebrun here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show include the hashtag getitdoneentrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.